What's up, blurbs? Welcome to the first episode of Blur the Lines, the podcast where minds are merged and ideas flourish. I'm Yvonne. And I'm CJ. Today we discuss the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, 12 Rules of Life, Antidote to Chaos by Jordan Peter. So grab a drink, sit back, and enjoy. Hey, how are we doing? <laughs> Hey, how you, how are you doing? Good, good, good. Good. Uh, I just got back from school and a long thing, so... Oh, nice. How was that? It was alright, actually. It's, it was interesting. It was more of a panel, um, which we didn't know, so... It was marketed as a alumni. So we all showed up expecting to just, like, mingle and say hello to everyone. Yeah. And then it was a panel for all the current students. So they were, they were like asking us questions, what's going on, how do we land our jobs, like interview things, stuff like that. So it was you guys actually on like a judges panel and then people just in the audience? Yeah, it was a little more like um, relaxed. We were all just like sat in a circle with a bunch of like freshmen, sophomore, juniors and some seniors. Mm. And they're just like asking questions. Okay, so... Um, how many people were on the panel? It's all the alumni and people in Connecticut that showed up. There were probably like 15 of us, just biomedical engineers that showed up. Wow. Yeah, it was actually kind of cool. Uh, our professor just organized it and uh, it, was, it was nice to see the people. It's definitely nice. It's, I don't know. I like Fairfield. There's something about it. I really <laughs> do. I don't mean to like. Quick, quick plug in on the first podcast for for Fairfield. Yeah, <laughs> I can't, I can't not. Um, but yes, let me just get this. Um, so again, we're today we're drinking Oxide Breweries. Fredo. Fredo? Super good for anybody that hasn't tried it. It is good. This is this is my first sip. So. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into it. Your book. How was it? An overview. <laughs> like a general reading experience. Yeah. So it was great. I listened to it. Um, it was yeah. an audio book. Um, I listened to uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People uh, by Stephen Covey. Um, really well-known book. Uh, some of you out, know, out there may know it, but this was my first time reading it. I, I started reading it a while ago, actually, um, and then kind of stopped. And then we had this idea for this podcast and kind of started up a whole new thing. Um, so went back to it. But it basically talks about the an inside-out principle of living life. So focusing on what we can control and how we can better ourselves to be better people or, quote the book, effective people, um, which is really interesting considering how many outside thinkers there are where... You think about the things that you can't control. You think about everything outside of yourself. And if something goes wrong, it's not your fault. It's something outside of yourself. Um, or if something goes right, even. People think, oh, well, this happened because 
someone else gave it to me or someone else gave me a lift. But you got to think, how did I help myself get here? How can I help myself get here? Um, yeah, which is pretty interesting. Um, that actually directly correlates. <laughs> um, but just as an overview, so... Yeah, we um, read two separate books, by the way. Yeah, so the books we read, um, I read one by Jordan Peterson. I just got a, a general um, description or biography of him. So Jordan Peterson is a Canadian clinical psychologist um, and a professor of psychology. Um, he's definitely known for his controversial talks. He works mm. a lot on like campuses um, and he talks a lot of against uh, very new age topics, um, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. But um, I'll listen to the book. 12 Rules of Life, an Antidote to Chaos. So, as an overview, he wrote this book. Uh, he actually had a couple of ideas. Um, people were asking things. He honestly started by posting his lectures that he did in psychology classes. So he started posting his lectures online just for people to uh, view for free. So uh, he got a really strong feedback during the class time. Then he started posting online and he got amazing feedback and people were like demanding that he like posts his like top things you have to do, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, and he ended up calling it the 12 Rules to Chaos. Um, he said he originally started with 34, but he brought it down to 12. So it's like super densely packed. So it's actually 34 rules, it seems like, when you read the book. Um, but he categorizes them in 12 uh, different little rules for life. And he calls it an antidote to chaos, um, which is really interesting. But just as a general like overview, it's, um, it's really interesting. I'm reading a different um, biography by Sia Kulisi, which is the or South African uh, Rugby World Cup captain um, and it's vastly different it's honestly incredible um, the tone just within the books um, oh man Pilsner like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so the tone of speech so like Sia Khaleesi is like uh, he was really poor growing up he barely afforded school, he didn't even have shoes going to school, and his use of the English language is like almost child-like, if mm. I can describe it that way. So um, it's very easy reading, you can understand it immediately what he's trying to convey. He uses very simple, or very um, common phrases and idioms and things like that. but. Jordan Peterson writes incredibly high class, I would say. It's mm-hmm. the, his use of words is extreme, like almost to the degree where um, I struggle to understand. I have to keep thinking of what he's saying because he's using these massive words the whole time and these crazy idioms. Yeah. Um, so I was wondering how, how yours was to. Um, it's just like the literally as the literary aspect of it all. 
Yeah, I think honestly, Stephen Covey was uh, a combination of both. Um, so you said Siad was his name? Siam. Siam? S-I-Y-A. Sia. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, Sia and Jordan Peterson, they, uh, one was a little bit easier to understand, almost childlike, and the other one was very sophisticated, high-level words um, that forced you to think a little more critically to actually just understand the concept that he was putting through. Yeah, it's... And, I, would, I just want to interrupt there. I don't, yeah. It was almost like not thinking more critically. Um, in my opinion, like English has never been like my strong suit, but mm-hmm. um, because it's written at that level that it is, it almost forces you to think about the words yeah. and not about what he's trying to say. Do you think that distracts you from the book? It did a little bit for me, Yeah, honestly. Um, it's so high level English. That's why, like, if I recommend anyone read this book, I recommend doing uh, a rule at a time. So the 12 rules that are quite lengthy. Um, but I would read it twice. Each, mm. each rule. Now, how long is a rule? Like, is it uh, 20 pages? The chapter? Is yeah, it? Yeah, so I also did an audiobook of this. Oh, true. And, yeah. like, a rule. Um, actually, shout out to Spotify yeah. for the audiobook subscriptions. <laughs> um, when I've done this without them. But. Yes, so like a rule was like an hour and a half. Mm. So this is a lengthy book. Gotcha. Yeah. 13, 14 hour book. Yeah, I think the uh, the twelve rule or twelve rules. Um, the seven habits was also about twelve hours, uh, thirteen hours on audiobook, um, and each each chapter was about an hour. But they had anecdotal chapters um, that were at the end of each subsection um so end of each habit they had an anecdotal section from uh i believe it was stephen covey's son um speaking to the book so i think it was a an anniversary edition that i was reading oh. and listening to um so it was pretty cool so what describe a little bit what went on in there so yeah so um well first i want to uh talk on the part about the, the word choice and oh, the, yeah. the style of writing um, because I think it's important. Um, the seven habits are very high level. So they they don't get deep into the weeds. The, the words are overall easy to understand. Maybe in the beginning it's, uh, it's a little harder. You're, you're thinking a little bit more about it. But the anecdotes that he says, the examples that he gives, they're... It, it, it clicks. So, um, when when you say high level, do you mean like hard to understand? No, or? like overarching. Oh, like dumb down. Yeah, they okay. they're you know the, like they they they're expansive and extensive, but they're they don't bog down on uh, on a single topic for too long, or at least in my opinion, I thought that the the separation of him talking at you and him giving you an example or an anecdote that would help you understand was well uh, uh, sprinkled throughout the book. So it wasn't a lot of one or a lot of the other. It was a little bit of uh, uh, the overarching subject matter 
and then a little more that you could relate to and that made it a little easier like the first chapter about um uh being proactive is the is the first habit and uh i honestly don't know if it was the first chapter or what because again audiobook i'm not looking at the chapters um but they have a a, uh, a picture and it's uh they say look at the picture and uh what tell what you see so i do have the book so i was able to do this before i actually started the audiobooks so i had done this prior to listening and you know you look at the picture and it's a picture of an old woman or a young woman and depending on how you see it oh i've seen it i've seen it yeah i think like, it's that common one where it's like an old like raggedy woman faces right and the young woman like faces left or something like that yeah yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's it's pretty cool because it, it gives you a, a literary sense of the word or of the habit that you're trying to pursue, which is, you know... What's that happening? Be proactive. Be proactive. Um, yeah. So overall, meaning uh, be a proactive person, not a reactive person. Um, so don't react to the things around you. Be proactive about them. If something's not going right how can you change it versus again the inside out theory so if uh if this podcast doesn't go well for instance we could say well nobody understands the the literature or no one can speak at a high level like we can that's being reactive to them not listening to us or proactive could be maybe we need to do something more interesting maybe we need to uh <laughs> no books are very interesting we yeah. love books <laughs> uh, that's why we drink <laughs> um no but that's that's the reactive approach versus the proactive approach of we need to do something it's it's our prerogative and our mission to do something to get people to listen um mm. but in the case of the old woman and the young woman two people can see very different things both correct so it's not until you take the time to actually look at it and uh, uh, and listen to the other person before you can actually see their viewpoint. And that's a that's a smaller segment of of it, but o- overall, it's it's very helpful to have some examples like that. Yeah, um, that's uh, that's very much like. Um, because there's 12 habits and, uh, sorry, 12 rules, um, it gets quite confusing just listening to it. Um, I wish I had a visualization, so I, I just pulled one up um, just to give me some some sense of where I am. Yeah. Um, but that really does seem quite a bit like uh, what Jordan Peterson also does say. Um, and I think it's like rule seven. Um, yeah, where it, the, the rule seven is pursue what is meaningful and not what is expedient. So, mm-hmm. um, in the whole chapter, it's basically the, the story of choosing the windy road instead of uh, the straight path. Mm-hmm. Um, he describes how. Um, you gotta go pursue what is meaningful um, in your life 
and but not what is readily available, readily there. Yeah. And stuff like that. Um, and he also digs a little bit into uh, what you just mentioned of just going out and finding what's best for you to um, like seeing the best in things. But, but that's later on in the book. Um, yeah. Um, when you say seeing the best in things, what are you what are you referring to in terms of that? Like just seeing, uh, being an optimist, or um, seeing yeah. the bright side in bad situations. Yeah, um, it gives quite a bit of examples, and honestly, a lot of them bleed into each other. Um, another literary aspect of him is. Um, he is he compares a lot of the thoughts so he doesn't come off as um, being Buddhist or Christian or from a, a background but mm-hmm. he compares a lot of the different aspects and shows examples in all of them so for example um, whenever you would go into a rule of life he would take it a little bit from an evolutionary perspective uh, perspective, and they would take it from a religious Christian perspective. Mm. They would show how this is applied in, like, the Hindu perspective, and then mm-hmm. he even goes to the different cultures during the ancient times, like Egyptians and things like that. And um, so, there's a whole load of different examples. It's a, um, but yeah, oh, I lost my track of thought. Anyways. That's okay. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Um, but but that's an interesting point that you make, right? That he's talking to so many different cultures, religions, backgrounds, and you know he's he's reaching a, a broader scope of people that way, and being able to relate to so many different people. I think that's an art of of somebody to be able to take the perspective of one background and then another background and another and like combine them or uh, intertwine them uh, is maybe a better way of saying it uh and show that we'll all have like the same uh uh the same moral moral is being uh portrayed here or the same story is being portrayed just two different people he's speaking to different people yeah in uh, ways that they would understand or maybe be accepting of i would say it, it did feel like now now again this is just our opinions of the book and um, people who critically uh, review these books might have completely different yeah of this course is our pastime pleasure where we just um read and basically this is us talking of how it made us feel yeah um uh, Nothing that I'm saying, I would say, is factual from the book itself, but it's just how what it made me feel, what I remember from it. But um, at the, you know, believe in the preface, he does say that he used scholarly uh, Christian dominance, mm-hmm. uh, for example. So he's done a lot of work in the Christian sense and where Christianity also comes from, um, and it does feel like he does. Um, predominantly refer to most of these rules in Christian manner. Oh, okay. Um, which is like, I don't mind at all. It's, he, he says a lot of things like 
it comes off that people without religion um, tend to not not feel any meaning in the world, in life, mm. and therefore results in a little bit of less will to live. Um, mm. It's so, so, like that's the overall feeling. Like a lot of these yeah. you would like go back to. Yeah, um, it feels like, or um, it's almost like because of this because of let's say um, religion says like honor your parents yeah um, and atheists do not believe in a religion and they don't honor their parents um, all that they might but um, he says there, there's some meaning in that and mm. uh, if, if there's no meaning in the things that you do or um, it's hard to find the will um to live, then anything in time just becomes meaningless. Yeah, that's, uh, it makes you think, right? It's, uh, I mean, this is not a religious podcast or anything. Yeah, um, and we're not trying to, uh, preach a religion or anything. It's just our, uh, just our opinions on things. Um, and, like, like Yvonne said, uh, how we viewed the book and how, how it came across to us. Um, but it's interesting that you point to a religion because, not to uh, stay in line, but the second habit of the book was begin with the end in mind. So what you just said of um, without a religion or without a purpose of uh, something pushing you towards a goal then you may lack meaning or you may lack motivation um and this doesn't point to a religion it points to yourself and what do you believe is your purpose in life so an example they gave was when someone's at your uh at your funeral what do you want them to say i remember about them do you want it to be, I was a great husband, I was a great uh, co-worker, I was a great leader, I was a great podcaster? Like, <laughs> like what, what do you want them to remember about you? And But instead of pointing to a religion, it points back to yourself of what do you want to be remembered as and how do you get there? So taking that first step with the end in mind. So if we want to be great podcasters, I think this is a great first book for this podcast because it's us taking one step into what do we want to be in life like do we want to be i, I hate the word influencers but do we want to be uh do we want to be able to make a difference and yeah. i think that these books these these habits these rules that we're quote unquote starting to follow and maybe changing our trajectory in life um i think it's you know i think this is one step with the end in mind we're just we're, we're starting we're getting started we're moving towards something but it's just starting with us yeah. it doesn't start with any outside um religion or beings or anything it just starts with you and what do you want to achieve and how can you get there
him um, completely from a subjective perspective. <laughs> um, what is your end in mind for this podcast? I knew you. <laughs> See, I, as I was like uh, preparing for this, I was like, he's going to ask me, and I have no idea. And um, I. So I we got to execute on this book. I, I, do, I do. I do think that, you know, I. After reading this book, I realize some things I'm okay with, a lot of things I'm not. And, you know, I don't think that's a bad thing, and I don't think not knowing is a bad thing. Um, but, but, you know, realizing it and seeing there's things that I need to work on or there's habits that I want to incorporate into my life is not a bad thing. So for this podcast, uh, you know, I would like to be... Uh, recognized as someone who made a difference somewhere, some way. It's a very broad scope of of what I want to do, but you know, that's why I got into medical devices. I wanted to push towards something that that made a difference in somebody's life. Um, and this podcast, even if it helps ten people, I think that's phenomenal. And uh, yeah. so. Honestly, I don't know, but I think I think just starting with something with the with a broad scope of I want to help people. I'm just going to start with that and, you know, I think I can refine it from there and there's does other goals that are are more personal, but for this podcast, I don't know, I just kind of want to better myself and I think by doing these books and learning more and more through literature, I think we can do that. Yeah. Um, What's yours? No, no. <laughs> so, um, I was just going to get into that too. So, the end goal, I would say for this, is uh, all of these books, at least the first two that we did, are very, very um, highly prescribed books. Everyone says you have to read them in the time of life. Right. But there are people like me um, who kind of struggle to read. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not like diagnosed or anything, but people like me um, learn best through audio sources. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's um, a format like this would um, basically go for or target um, people like me um, to motivate them to also follow along um, with these highly, highly prescribed books, which I'm assuming if it's this highly prescribed, it does change people's lives. Right. I mean, I definitely think that, you know, just us taking this first step of reading or listening to these books... um, I think there's going to be some books out there that we read on this podcast and we don't take anything from it. You know, we talk about it, we, we understand it, but it's like, it, it doesn't have an impact, sure, but I think yeah. that's for us. For us. Like us, yeah. that, that, that could be totally different for someone else. Like we, us talking about that book that they didn't even know about, um, maybe that, inspires them or maybe they get a snippet out of it that says oh i like that i want to do that or i didn't know that um 
and I definitely encourage people listening that to check us on our facts and everything. Um, we we may we may do some back checks as we're as we're sitting here, but yeah. um, I, but I, I think also that, just want to say I yeah. don't think anything that we say should be taken as facts. No, not at all. We read these books and they kind of just fester in our brains and minds and hearts as um, feelings and ideas. Yeah. Um, so. And it's much more conversational. It's just as as we speak and as we kind of understand the other's book, we're gonna maybe put in our own thoughts on those. Yeah. And it's not yeah. it's not gonna be purely the, the first chapter is this, the second chapter is this, the second chapter is this. That's that's we're not a summary uh, but podcast. Coming back to uh, better bettering yourself. Yeah, uh, it's it's Peterson's uh, fourth book, Fifth Rule. Again, fact check me. <laughs> um, um, where he says, and I'm paraphrasing here, um, compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who he says your friend or someone else is today. Mm. So um, he, he, he makes a lot of evidence, uh, puts a lot of emphasis on um, look at yourself today versus yesterday yeah and he says if you have bettered yourself reward yourself mm. now he doesn't mean it in like oh i worked out yesterday for the first time now i can reward myself with a big mac right um he says reward physically reward yourself mentally reward yourself basically um what i got from it is you got to tell yourself Dude, you're doing well. This is amazing. Yeah. Keep it up. Like, you're better than yesterday. Like, like basically affirmations and rewards. Then you can also, depending on the situation, if you're on a diet, don't reward yourself something that's breaking your diet. Right. Yourself something else. So um, he breaks it down to in, into little, take everything by parts. So instead of. I'm cleaning the whole house. He says, start by putting your laundry away. Yeah. Reward yourself. I think we both need to get better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the room. Yeah. The room. <laughs> yeah. Um, clean. But, um, yeah, so this, so it gives a lot of examples of start small. So yeah. If you feel overweight and stuff, start by going for 10,000 steps every day. So that's not really changing your day too much, but you might come to the end of the day and you're like, oh, uh, I need 1,200 more steps. Let me just go walk around the house real quick. Yeah. Get, get to 1,200, reward yourself. Again, if you're trying to lose weight, don't eat. Uh, do something else. Go, yeah. Go play Fortnite or whatever you do to um, almost give yourself a reward reprieve or reward yeah yeah um that i mean that's that's kind of uh useful in our life too i mean you said it the other day when we went to the gym you you were like i said "Ah, i can only do like 30 seconds of this ab workout and you're like well it's 30 seconds more than yesterday so that's you know it is those it is those little feats that uh that build you into you know a bodybuilder 
not that that first person or you know um like hulk hogan he didn't start out lifting uh doing 225 on a bench press no he started out with the bar and then he worked up to you know 125 135 150 and he did those incrementally so um anytime someone feels that they may not be you know where they want to be you're better than you were yesterday like you're yeah. you're you're pushing towards that goal yeah. and that's and that's huge um yeah i totally agree um just on that soon what you were just saying is oh we were like go lifting and um going to the gym and mm-hmm. stuff now again i need a fact check what his actual title is but um he basically talks about surrounding yourself with the right people yeah um let me just check so uh make friends with people people who want the best for you um so he really does highlight that you need to make friends with people who are supportive um and um believe in the same things as you do and who are joyous when mm-hmm. you succeed mm-hmm. and who lift you up uh, when you're down mm-hmm. um, but a really interesting uh, fact that I well not fact um, topic that I hit on is that people who make you better aren't like we would say your best friends you don't get into like arguments with no not at all no he, he says the people who make you better are the people who tell you you are wrong mm-hmm. when you're doing something wrong and they challenge you yeah they challenge your mindset they challenge your work ethic they challenge yeah. everything that you do and yeah it gets frustrating it could be really annoying at times <laughs> Um, but it's true. I mean, you want someone that's, that's pushing you to do better. Like Mm. us saying fact check check us, like fact check us, be honest about it. Like, Hey, make sure that you guys are hitting your marks or getting, uh, getting things accurate if that's what you believe in. But, um, but making sure that, that, that person is staying on track and, bettering themselves is is a huge part of a friendship it's not you know oh we've been friends for years and uh i i i know that they're i know that they're uh they're not going to give in on their opinion so just eh, whatever they they believe what they're going to believe and that's it or they they do what they do do. yeah no if if you don't think that it's you know benefiting them you're allowed to say that and yeah it's yeah it could sting yeah it could suck but I mean, they they challenge you. People should challenge you. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, it's kind of hard though, as the best or the good friend. Not, not best. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say the best at no, no, X, no. like the best at something. <laughs> it's hard being the best, you know. It's, it's really hard. difficult. Hard <laughs> yeah. being the best podcast. <laughs> really difficult actually if someone is doing 
blah 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 and you have to be the one that tells them that like, yeah especially if it's like in social circumstances mm. explain on that expand on that I don't know it's uh, I'd be like I don't know about the situation but if you're like in a group of people it's hard to telling someone no or what they're doing is wrong or no for example let's just take uh, someone going out um you're friends with them and he's like super flirtatious but he's like engaged mm. and he, he's like you go out as guy friends and now he's seeming too friendly with other ladies yeah it's it's hard in a whole social setting with other people to be like hey man Right. Yeah, I think there's even like a more tame. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's the first thing I can think of. Right? No, that's that's, that's fine. Um, but I, when you're saying like social situations, I just think of the pressure that people put on you to, to, to not intentionally bring you down, but it does. So like going out with friends, and if you don't drink or don't want to drink or do something. Or yeah anything like that and and everybody's doing it or it seems like and and they're like oh yeah just come come try it come do it and now you as the best friend should step in and say dude you don't even like drinking you don't like the taste of alcohol you don't like smoking and put them in their place and say it's fine you don't have to do that but a lot of people will just kind of fact, I don't feel comfortable being next to you when you treat it that way. It, it like hurts me yeah. seeing that. That's a hard situation. Yeah, that's uh Yeah, that's definitely a difficult conversation and one that will probably make the other person upset and i think that's what you're getting at is like it you know it's that difficult conversation that that will cause pushback and it's it's uh or cause friction between in the relationship between you two because you're like what do you mean like she she did this i i i definitely was like i i was right to to act that way and you're wrong and but you need to stick to your guns there too yeah um a trick I think that was mentioned is that you kind of just voice your emotions so uh you have example too where uh like a guy would an alcoholic, one of his friends, would come in and basically try and sell stuff to him so he could make more money, so he'd be mm -hmm. able to buy more alcohol. Okay. Um, so it's one of his friends came in and he'll try and sell him a toaster and thing at like 2 a.m. at his house in Canada, I believe. Um, and he, he mentioned that like his wife said it's a feel uncomfortable and stuff like that. Um, but it's friend of his and he's a good guy but he's got this tendency to like overdrink 
kind of things like that. Um, so he gave the story of how one day it happened and he, he just like the guy took his toaster or not his toaster he, he explains the toaster I, I'm not exactly sure how the story plays out but basically the guy starts trying to sell him things again so he can make more money I, I don't I believe this guy isn't like wealthy or like well off at all and he, Jordan Peterson just says, he goes up to him and he says, like, hey man, like, um, I know you're struggling with alcohol, I know by, by buying this toaster is going to put you in a situation where you have more money to buy alcohol, mm -hmm. um, I don't want to do that, also, um, I feel uncomfortable because my wife says, um, she gets frightened when you come over in the state, uh, she's worried you know, would not like control your actions or things like that, um, and we're we're just worried. Like um, these are my emotions towards the situation. Yeah, and he said that, that guy never ever did anything like that again. He said he, in his drunken state, he comprehended. He didn't lash back, he stood for like 15 seconds, I believe he said, um, and then he, he like nodded and walked off, but their, their relationship didn't seem to like change too much on a sober level, hmm. but never again did that guy come in and like disrupt them in his like drunk state. So in that, in that scenario of the, the, the guy trying to, um, you know, sell him a toaster in the, in the middle of the night to buy alcohol, um, that guy was, to, to look back at habit one, proactive, um, in, in that habit as he wasn't reactive, um, which is kind of where I was getting, going with, uh, the mother and son scenario that she said before, um. You know, there a lot of people would be reactive in those scenarios when um, when their actions are put into question. Of hey, man, you shouldn't talk to your mother like that, or it makes me uncomfortable when you talk to your mother like that, or um, dude, you can't come to my house when you're this drunk. Like it makes me and my family super uncomfortable. All of those things, people could take a reactive approach and say well what do you mean it makes uh people uncomfortable like it's just you and me like we're f like we're buds we've been doing this since college or uh like she, like i said before she talked to me this way didn't you hear her talk to me poorly and it's that reactive approach whereas taking the look at wow i keep showing up to my friend's house drunk and now I'm scaring my best friend's wife. That looks bad on me. I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. And I think taking that proactive approach is important. I see where you get from. Yeah. Um, also think if if you are gonna be that friend, that good friend who uh, values the other person, it it doesn't come. It sh it should never come from a viewpoint of. I am better than you. Mm. Um, 
I think a lot of people do say things um, like, no, I don't go to like the bars anymore. Uh, you're like, you shouldn't, almost from like, I'm better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, or a- anything of that sense where I think generally if, if you are going to try and be that friend that we're talking about, that um, good person, it generally should be from a point of good where you genuinely only want to help um, or you're generally concerned for um, the other person rather than your own self will be. Oh, that actually does refer to um, a different part of the book where he says he basically makes it seem that helping someone else um, if it's not generally to help them, a lot of people do it um, because um, it makes them feel better. So, so, so me, um, like, I'm saying something negative about you because it makes me feel better. Yes, kind of. So, for example, um, you're struggling with your relationship and stuff, you go, I'll go out of my way um, to go console you and talk to you and guide you and tell you what to do. Um, not because it's out of genuine interest to help you, but intrinsically it's because to me it feels like I'm doing something for you, but in the bigger sphere of things, nothing really is happening. In, in the greater scheme of things, I almost feel like in that in that case, like uh, uh, if you were not in a relationship and you went to console someone that was and they were having hardship in that relationship, you almost feel, oh man, I'm so glad I'm not in a relationship. Is that kind of what you're getting at? That that you're making yourself feel better, like I'm glad I'm not in this, or is it? They're giving bad advice because it makes them feel better. It's, I don't think it's it's from bad motive. So then, how how well, in that scenario is a person doing um, consoling it, it, in a in a negative me way? Consoling you, yeah, makes me feel like I'm doing something good. Hmm. Gotcha. So it's more of a, uh, a, a coin in the karma jar. Or something like that. Yeah. Like you're, you, you feel like, uh, okay, I yeah. did something good. Yeah. Something good might happen to me. And, um, makes that was me earlier on the book, so it's, I'm not too fresh on that. But yeah, basically, it seems to like be wary of doing that to others and also have other people um, doing that to you. It, it generally doesn't come out of. Um, it it's not done. Because you want to do it, so um, I'm not doing it because I know I want to feel better. Yeah. Um, it kind of just like happens. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's mentioned, but um, I want to go back a step. Yeah. Right before the camera kicked out. Um, 
and we were talking about. I think we're gonna have to light a new candle. Oh, what is this puppy? Everything's dying. <laughs> I know. All right, that was the end of uh, whitewashed burn barnwood. Whitewashed barnwood. It's from Coles. If anyone wants to uh, to go pick it up. But we have another one right here. Getting into the, the holiday spirit, we have holiday cranberry. Smell that. It smells amazing. Mm. That smells nice. Huntington Hope Soy Bling. Um, Probably also from Kohl's or Walmart. That's <laughs> where I get all my candles. Um, yeah, sorry. Sorry, I totally I wanted to take a step back. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they can read it, but sorry. Um, it's, it's about like treating yourself and treating others, but this is the second uh, rule he has for life. Is, and I quote, treat yourself like you would, sorry, treat yourself like you would someone you are responsible for helping. Um, so like a, like a parent? Like... Yeah. Like, if, 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 if you... So treat yourself like someone you are responsible for helping. So, uh, I think a parent... Uh, uh, like, if I'm a parent and I have a kid, I want to protect that kid. I want to make sure that they have a great life and grow up and and feel good about themselves and, you know, have just have a great life in general. So I should treat myself from that external perspective of being a parent and yeah. what I would want for my kid, I should want for myself. Yeah. Um, so this chapter, um, okay, it's actually quite interesting. So it, he seems like from a Christian perspective, he bases this off, um, Adam. So Adam and Eve, mm -hmm. Adam is a sinner and Ever since Adam, we have all been sinners, and we view ourselves as sinners. We are born into sin, and uh, by the grace of God and Jesus, uh, you get out of sin and you can't go to heaven. But um, from that perspective, we all treat ourselves like we are sinners, and sinners do not deserve anything. So he brought up the statistic where he compared um, people getting organ transplants mm -hmm. and people caring for their pets after an or an operation or organ transplant or a vet visit. So so one group of people has an organ transplant. Yes. And and one group is pets. Yes. Okay. Statistically. Uh, it seemed like, or don't quote me on this, <laughs> <laughs> but um, he, he makes it out to be that people are much more likely to complete medication courses um, for their pets' vets' appointments. So if the pet needs to take seven pills or thirty pills after like their prescriptions. Um, the pets generally complete all their prescribed medicines, whereas humans who wait 
on organ transplant lists um, can wait up to years and you have to go through like if you um, kidney you have to go through like dialysis once or twice a day um, every day of the week it's painful it's harsh when you get a new kidney all you have to do is drink a pill a day which basically keeps your body from attacking the foreign kidney mm-hmm. um, yep. yeah for, for the rejection yeah for like 30 days and those people are far likely less to complete their prescribed medication as an example hmm. so, a- so it, it, it breaks us down that generally people don't view themselves um, as things worth caring for but will always view others as worth caring for too so your pet or your sister or your brother or your wife yeah um, and it, you see this almost like all the time like how many times does like one girlfriend say to the boyfriend like you know you, you gotta like go like buy yourself clothes do this like clean your wash clean your face stuff yeah like that. Uh, like, you gotta eat why aren't you eating like how many girls out there don't eat and then boyfriends are like come on yeah <laughs> <laughs> no it's water i mean yeah. uh yeah mine does that to me all the time She's like, did you eat today <laughs> did you eat? and it's true you do the, the people that you love and care for um and i think it comes from you want them to be around a long time um you know you you want to keep loving and caring for them and it's it, it is strange that we don't think of ourselves like that like I think if you take that from the other perspective of um, ourselves, we should want to care and love for them for a long time. I know it's the same thing I just said, but from a different perspective. So the, f- the first one, I want to love and care for my girlfriend for a long time. So I want her to be healthy. I want her to be safe. Yeah. Um, but I, the other way is... I want to be able to love and care for her for a long time. Exactly. So it's slightly different, but the same thing. And we don't, I just don't think that we think of it in that second manner. I mean, how many parents go, do as I say, not as I do? I don't know if it's just mine, but, <laughs> but I, my, like my parents would say that sometimes of do as I say, not as I do. So if someone maybe drives without a seatbelt, but then you get behind the wheel and they're like, Put your seatbelt on. Yeah. And it's like, well... If you don't... It, it, it also, like... Um, it almost no, sounds hypocritical, but it's not. It's it's out of love and care. I agree. Um, I think that, that there's... I don't want to say that's almost a negative aspect of it. Like, I feel like generally... Um, mothers in particular do a lot for their kids Mm -hmm. that they neglect themselves yeah so like they neglect sleep they do crazy stuff I can't tell you how much time my mom spent on the road traveling between all my different like activities be that like swimming like intramurals trombone music school the amount of time she like sacrificed for 
um, me alone. Now I have like three other siblings. It's, it's utterly insane from an outsider perspective, actually. Yeah. But that all comes out of love. Right. Um, and at this point of time, like, like I'm an adult now, and all my brothers and sisters are like adults, and like, I almost feel like now, now it's time to re- like repay the debt. <laughs> but I think that's a whole different conversation too. Yeah, like, uh, of, it opens a lot of doors. <laughs> it does open a lot of doors of looking into you know how much do we owe our parents and. The answer's a lot. And, a lot. And, I mean, you know, people may view that differently, but um, but in, in, in my terms, like, I would say a lot. Um, but staying on the topic of, you know, caring for yourself, like, you need to take a step back and look at, look at yourself. What are you doing that is negatively impacting your life that you would not want your spouse your child, your parent to be doing that maybe you are doing why do you hold yourself to a different standard, maybe even a, in, in terms of this, a lower standard than the people you care about yeah that's a that's a deep question, that but, is a really deep question um, this chapter number two <laughs> maybe yeah. it's um, in the book yeah. go read it it's in the book, but, um, I know at the start I almost like bashed them for being like too formal and too yeah, yeah. too technical but um, this was one of the rules that um, uh, I understood the ECSA he does a really good job of like clarifying this so if you have the book or the audiobook I uh, highly recommend going to get, like listen to this that's a that's a deep topic to get into at the very start. Did that set the tone for the book? Like did you did you think, wow, this is maybe a little more intense than I would have thought when I picked it up? Or did you I mean the the title's pretty like, yeah. out there, um, but how'd you feel about that being so I'm, quick? I've watched some of his like lectures mm-hmm. and like I'm familiar with who he is. Um so I, I kind of understand where all of this comes from, and um, I might not be doing as great of a job as conveying his tone, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really feel like that. You didn't feel like it was an overwhelming topic I, to start out with. The only thing I felt like was overwhelming was the amount of utter attention I need to pay yeah. to to comprehend what he's saying. And right. Maybe someone comes up with ChatGPT who basically just takes his whole book as a PDF and says... Consolidates it. <laughs> not consolidate, but just write this into... I, I don't think there's many people who could consistently read this book and understand everything. Mm. Like, that's the degree of his language um and i'm I'm like speaking from like a more like holistic like there's a lot of people whose english isn't their first language yeah there's a lot of people who haven't even gone to college there's people who like basically didn't graduate high school um and like this is a really like 
it's not an easy book to read. Um, mm. Which I wish he made it a little more informal, a little more easy. His choice of words was a little more simple. I feel like at the end of this, we should just put in ChatGPT and say, make simplify the like use of language. Yeah, in twelve ha- in twelve rules of utter chaos, or what was it? Twelve rules of life to get to manage utter chaos. Yeah. Um, like I think we should just put it in there and just see what it spits out to, and, and see see how it it summarizes the book. Because um, yeah. I mean it it sounds like a, just a densely packed read that I don't even know how many pages. I mean you said it was about thirteen hours. Yeah. This this book was also about twelve hours and it's three hundred and sixty nine pages. So three hundred sixty nine pages for twelve rules that he wanted to make thirty four. So just think, that's a thousand page book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that he's packing down um, into into four hundred pages. But yeah. Um I don't know, maybe I should just chat GPT it and make a little uh, simplified. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean I like I said maybe, maybe it's our own brand of books, the simplified the simplified version. <laughs> We should copyright that. We can't <laughs> post this. People are going to steal it. Blur the lines. Simplified. <laughs> yeah, blur the lines. Simplified. Um, yeah, yeah. Wait. Um, there's a different aspect of it all, which all like boils down to, like, builds up. So, um, it comes down to you can't care for others before you're truly able to care for yourself. Hmm. So that's basically the buildup of it, um, yeah. or at least that, that's what I understood it to be. So, in order for you to truly like claim responsibility and things like that, um, you you should be able to care for yourself. Meaning, you should be able to eat alright. You should be able to live in a clean house and things like that. But I believe it's in this chapter too, where he says um, the importance of that is to automate as many things as you can. You automatically have to make your bed. You know, you automatically have to put your dishes in the dishwasher. You, you, you do the the bed thing. I, I don't I don't make my bed. Also do the dishes in the dishwasher thing. Whoa 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 whoa! <laughs> no no no! Don't even try that. I, I, oh, I tried to. It's it's equal. Go go check the the sink. I, I saw I saw some dishes in there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you started the dishwasher today. I loaded it. <laughs> We're diverging. <laughs> but he says it's like. I'm just kidding. The the more you can automate something, that means the least effort you have to put into it. Mm-hmm. Meaning that you can spend mental energy on other things. Yeah. So. Your mental capacity is only limited, and if cleaning a room takes 30% of your mental capacity, um, or mental strain, I should say, strain might be a better word, yeah. um, then if you could slowly like build up to it and automate it where it doesn't cause any strain, um, that's how you, you start to truly care for yourself so you can have enough time to um, claim responsibility of other things and other people. Yeah, I mean, I think 
that's interesting to me um, because when I when I think of cleaning the house, doing a chore, uh, making gross. making my bed, yeah, it's it's a chore, and it's I have three loads of laundry to do because I let it build up because I was too scared to do one load, then I was too anxious to do a second load, and, and then it, and now work. it's it's <laughs> way too much, and I think I can't do this this is I, I just go into i just shut down and it's it, it's over it's like oh man i can't do this this is this is way too much work i need to hire someone i, I, I like i need someone to just reset everything um so yeah those things can be mentally draining on you and it doesn't seem like much especially when you talk to somebody who you know tuesday is laundry day and that's Every week for the past 10 years, Tuesday is laundry day. So talking to those people, they're like, what do you mean you can't do your laundry? What do you mean you can't fold your laundry yeah. and put it away? Because it's, it's, it's not even in their head. Like it's not even, they're not even working that muscle to think about it. They're just like, Tuesday, 7 o'clock, it's laundry day. Um, or you wake up, you make your bed. It's not even a thought. Um. This sounds like it could be something out of the seven habits, but obviously I didn't read the book. Isn't there something that um, he talks about something similar to this? Um, or not really. About having chores, or about like just the automation. Not, not really. So there, there is. Um, the idea that uh, I think habit three is put first things first. I guess I can fact check myself. Yeah. Um, I have the book, which we will not have every time, but today I do. Because, um, like I said, I tried to yeah, read we it. Have internet. That's true. Yeah, we do. We don't need the book. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, while you're finding that... Yeah. Um, uh, okay, yeah, go ahead. Um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Alright, well, I did find it. Oh, nice. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> a diversion of a topic. Um, so, put first things first. Um, habit three. Um so this talks specifically to make a priority list. So I guess it kind of does tie into it a little more than I originally thought. So it's make a priority list. So you're getting the things done that you need to first. Um, I don't think it talks in quite the way that you're talking about, you know, not even thinking about it. Because I think you, you still need to think about it. You still need to make sure that your priorities are aligned with your end goal. I think... Your book might be written for more like it seems like it's more for like executives and people in charge and things like that. I don't know if it's where mine is written in the language for higher class Englishmen, but actually written for the common person. This is a book for the people. I I think it's both because. Um, the book is, it has a lot of, 
examples of executives. So, um, for instance, we don't have to go into this whole habit right now, but for instance, uh, think win-win is, uh, is one of the habits. I think it's five, um, four or five. Um, but think win-win. So it's about compromise. It's about, uh, you know, if your associate, your employee has, uh, a, a differing viewpoint or wants to do something slightly different how do you come to an agreement where both parties win but it also shows an example of uh like marriage the same thing applies where you have to think win-win it's not win-lose so when you think win-lose i win you lose or i lose you win and when you think that way there's a negative involved and you never know how much that's going to impact a relationship. So say you're arguing about something, I've given up talking about it. I lose, I just give in and say, you're right. I lose, you win. Or, but now I feel like I wasn't heard. I just shut down, gave up, gave it to you. If I think win, lose, I'm going to win and you're going to suffer because I want my voice to be heard and I'm going to push it through and there's going to be a loser. But if you can come to a compromise and think win-win, then you think in, uh, I think one of the, what was the example they gave in the book? I know I said I wasn't going to go into this, but I guess I'm here now. Oh, it's um, an interesting topic. Um, so, in the in the book, they thought, uh, yeah, well, the example was um, a woman's mother was was dying, and uh, and the the father or the husband uh, had planned a fishing trip with their kids and the whole family. We're supposed to go to we'll say New Hampshire, I don't remember, um, New Hampshire for a fishing trip, and they had planned it for, uh, I actually don't think they gave a place, but they had planned a fishing trip, and it's been planned all year, they took the week off, like, the kids are so excited, everybody's excited, the wife wants to be with her dying mother, here comes an impasse, so, in a win-lose scenario, one of them needs to go camping, the other one needs to be with their with their mother. And one of them needs to win, and one of them needs to lose. In a win-win, they come to a compromise. So instead of, you know, uh, going fishing in New Hampshire when they're from Connecticut, they find a place in Connecticut where she can be close to her mother, but they can still go off and if they need something they can leave the trip early or uh, we'll plan a, a separate time to go be with your mother and we'll go the weekend before and the weekend after to go see your mother but we can still go on the trip and both of those compromises are better than either one of the things that the first person proposed like other or yeah it's better than the win-lose. Yes. Yeah. 
or there's the lose lose, which is no. never good. <laughs> but we're gonna focus That's on never the win. An option. Yeah, we're gonna focus on the win lose, the lose win, and yeah. the win win. Um, so when you think about those things, it's it's really interesting, and you need to set aside the difference, set aside your ego, and just think win win. So in the case of that, it goes. It could be an executive. Sorry. It could be an executive or it could just be your everyday life. So I think this book is tied to both. I think a lot of it is if you're going to be an executive, you should uh, inhabit <laughs> all of these principles. And um, But even in your everyday life, you can execute these habits and become a better you or a more effective you. So I do give examples of both. Yeah. So it's interesting. To say. I guess so. for most things you can extrapolate it to your life. A hundred percent. Doesn't matter where you are. A hundred percent. But interestingly, you gave me like a little sneak peek of this chapter. Mm -hmm. um, we just briefed over earlier in the week. Um, I'd like you to to talk more about it. It's the fact that you said some people think they do a win-lose when in fact it's not um, where or it might have been a different book um, where you say uh, you're actually compromising for someone else mm -hmm. um, but in fact it's, it, it's not a win for them oh 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 you're talking about the deposits relationship like um deposits and withdrawals it was in this book oh, right. um uh don't know if it was part of that chapter um uh but we can talk about it for sure it's an it's a very fascinating topic yeah it's win lose 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 win win no offense but like i guess any like person who sits down and thinks about life can come up with that but um, yeah. Well, what you told me, what you'll get into now, is something that I don't think I've ever really thought about. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm, I'm not sure which which habit it's part of. Um, yeah. uh, let me see if I can just jog my index. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just jog my memory quick. Yeah. yeah, I know the story. Um, so basically, there's the idea of uh, withdrawal and deposits in, in any relationship. Uh, I love giving gifts. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, I love doing it. Um, and I also love receiving gifts. Yeah. So to me, like, to, as a deposit, I would think, oh, like, here's, here's a gift. And you ring, here's this. Yeah. Like, I'm putting in like all these deposits like, uh, for a gift. This is like literally money too. Um, but like as a relationship aspect, these are like relationship points. I'm just gonna call it. I don't know what the terminology is used. Yeah. But I'm putting all, all these relationship points deposits in. But for like you, for example, 
You don't really care about gifts. You just want to spend time. But I'm a busy man, and uh, I never spend time with you. I just give you gifts. Right. That is like, a, I think, a different example of completely missed. Um, what do you call it? Withdrawal. Deposits. Deposits. Yeah. Complete missed deposits as a result of. Yeah, and I think that's interesting because it it's very true. Like, my my love language may be words of affirmation. So I want you to do is tell me I'm doing a good job. Yeah. Tell me I'm you know, yeah, <laughs> tell me I'm hot. <laughs> and you're just like here's a gift card to Duncan. I know you love Duncan. It's nice. It's good. It's not not what I would it's consider. Right. It's not what I would consider a deposit. It's not what I would consider a withdrawal either, maybe, but it's neutral, I guess. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's a very interesting concept, and it, and it's not just uh, you know uh, uh, a spouse or any kind of uh, you know uh, emotional relationship of man woman man man whatever. Um, it's friends as well so it gets into like a deep rooted a deep rooted thing of you know maybe when you tell me I shouldn't talk to my mother that way you think you're doing me a favor I take it as offensive and disrespectful withdrawal you think it's nice? You think it's a deposit? So I, I don't think anyone thinks that's a deposit. That's a hard situation. I think you're mixing two things here. I don't. No. I think. I, I, I think if if you're telling me that I'm doing something wrong, and it's out for my own good, you think it's a deposit. You think you're helping me by steering me in a right direction. That, that is, I think we're missing the mark here for what I was explaining. Okay. Uh, where it has to come from, in, like, intrinsically good, like, care. Yeah. Like, deposits and withdrawals are not. Deposits, um, by definition, at least, deposit is putting money into something, hoping it goes up. No, that's what I'm saying. It's not in vain. And that's the misconception. Is it shouldn't be in vain, and it shouldn't be for gain. I didn't mean to rhyme there. just did. <laughs> um, but it shouldn't be. Like, the idea is... I want to do something good for you. Because I care about you. Or... Uh, you or know, this example we were talking about... Um, the guy like disrespecting his mother. Yeah. I don't think that's what the like ever deposit. I think that's more. Whoa, 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 that's whoa. More withdrawal. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm talking about the best friend. Yeah. I'm talking about the friend who tells the guy he's being rude to his mother. Yeah, I think that's. Oh. That's a withdrawal to a relationship. You Absolutely mean, not. 
you are putting your relationship probably on the line. Then I, I do, I disagree strongly. I don't think that that is a withdrawal. You're, I you're think that is a deposit on building a relationship. Those hard arguments build a relationship, and I think it's actually a deposit. I think you're strengthening the bond that you guys have because they know that you're going to be the one to have that tough conversation. Again, my perspective. So I would take that, yeah. or I would think I was giving a deposit. You would think I'm trying to ruin a relationship or put a, yeah, you know, rude. yeah. It's- that's exactly what I'm talking about. And it's not it's not in vain. It's not like Or at least I don't understand conceptually then exactly what a deposit is. A deposit is something that helps and nourishes a relationship. So But to help but nourish. Like if you're telling someone off. Mm-hmm. At least with all the other examples. But your your example was out of genuine good. Yeah, but... Your example was not telling someone off because you're better than them. That's exactly what you said, Russ. Right, right, right. Not to say that you're better than them, just that you want to help. Mm. But, you may ask, what, um... Or, like, a, I didn't read the book, but what it sounded like... I'm still trying to find it. <laughs> what it sounded like to me is that these deposits um, you try and put in a deposit um, when you do something that the other person wants you do things that make them feel better even though it might not be for you so I will go to the movies with you because you love the new Taylor Swift and her concert came out but I hate Taylor Swift so I'm putting a deposit in at my own sacrifice. But it's not. Like you're you're putting in a deposit because you care about that person. Not at a sacrifice. I think maybe it's just the wording, um, but it's a negative connotation to say that you're doing something because you want something out of it. You're putting in a deposit because you expect something in return whereas the deposit is just I've done something nice for you that's it but, but telling someone off is not nice I I disagree I well I think okay no, before no, no, I say that is, before that before before I say that I disagree with telling someone off is, <laughs> is that, um, I I'm sticking to the example of I'm your friend, you yelled at your mother in a disrespectful way, and I told you that I did not think that was okay. I think that is a an overarching deposit. Maybe in the moment it feels like a withdrawal, but I don't think that it is in the long run. I think it's a deposit on our relationship and we're building off of it. This candle smells Amazing, dude. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know if we're on the same page on that one, but 
I don't think that we are, and I don't think that that's a bad thing. That's why it's blur the lines. <laughs> blur the lines. We're we're discussing the gray and and things that uh that happen in everyday life. Well, um, let me tell you this. My favorite rule. I don't know why, but my favorite rule from Jordan Peterson's book is rule number one. Is that as far as you got? Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Um, so, rule number one, and I like to like give these some quotes, um, is he literally says, rule number one is stand up straight with your shoulders back. That is the first rule of life. Okay. Like, obviously... Like confidence? Yes, exactly. A lot of people can immediately understand what that is. Like, okay, you establish your full facts. Is that why you kept saying confidence to me the other day? No. When I was when I was making the stew. Actually, I actually didn't even start the book then. Okay. Maybe I did. I don't know. But you just kept saying confidence to me the other day, and I was like, "Hmm." I just I just thought of it. Um. Oh, yeah, it might have been. Maybe. He's already working, dude. <laughs> the book works. Um, you don't even realize it because you're not using that muscle anymore. Yeah. It's, it's not even a chore. They're all just merging. Um, but, yeah, this rule, like, emphasizes the importance of carrying oneself confidently um, and accepting one's responsibility. But he had like crazy examples of like lobsters, right? So he says a lobster. Oh, this is to do with like serotonin and everything. It's he like gets deep into like the science of it all. Um, okay. I highly recommend giving it a read because obviously there's a lot of scientific and there's only so much my poor little brain can absorb. <laughs> um, but it basically dumps down how when you walk with confidence and when you treat yourself with confidence, um, it helps boost your um, serotonin levels. Like serotonin is the drug that they, well, fact check me, is is what what they help treat like depression with and things like that. Mm -hmm. So the more confidence and the more um, serotonin and dopamine. Yeah. Um, the more confident you are, the better off you are. The like generally happier you are. So he explains this with lobsters, right? When lobsters fight and they win a fight, statistically, you would think that when the lobster the winning lobster would be injured, right? Okay. Um, Wait, the winning lobster would be injured? Yeah, because he just went through a battle. But statistically, he's more likely to fend off other lobsters. In the future. Like right after, in the future, things like that. Because he's got like a confidence boost. He's, hmm. He becomes bigger because he's happier. Um, 
I don't know. I feel like I'm not doing a great job of what he's saying. It was also the first chapter. Um, yeah. In the book, but um, it was truly intriguing um, how he relates confidence to all other things and how that all plays out. Hmm. So, in short, like, Stand up with your shoulders back, be confident, and treat yourself um, with respect. Hmm. I do have to run to the bathroom very fast, but I did find what I was looking for, the emotional bank account. Um, so let me run to the bathroom, and I'll be right back, and then we can dive into this a little bit. All right. And I'm back. Um, so on the confidence thing, just before we, uh, move on from that, it, does it talk at all about confidence versus cockiness? Um, I don't think so. I, I think he warns about overconfidence in things that, like, require skill Mm-hmm. Uh, I might be mistaken. It's. I'm not sure. I don't think so. Hmm. I I just you know. I fear that people people take confidence to me, cockiness or, you know, they're they're confident in the wrong things. They can they can say a lot of things with confidence. Doesn't mean that they should. Um, like if someone, I don't know, tells me a story about lobsters and says it with confidence, but in reality that story doesn't exist or, or it's all a lie or something. Why was that a good thing? I guess in the perspective of the person, they're gaining confidence, but in the perspective of the person listening, they they now have false information. Yeah. I mean, like, it, it does it does counter this um, hmm. the, uh, rule eight or nine um, seven. That can't mean again. And the rule is we actually had a conversation earlier this week about like not lying. Um, and I didn't, mm. I didn't realize that this towards the end of this book, I got to it, and, and he says, um, speak the truth, and always the truth, speak, always speak the truth, or at least don't lie, is mm. the rule. Gotcha, so he does speak to it, just indirectly. Um, yeah, it's not in the same chapters. Right, it's not, it's not specifically to confidence, but it's... But in my, in my case, I'm connecting it and, to confidence. Yeah, and what's, what, you know, your scenario or your situation, um, it, it, there's a whole chapter on um, speaking the truth and always telling the truth as much as you can and um, how quickly people 
lie without noticing that they're lying. Hmm. They, they lie by default. Hmm. Um, and there are people, um, I bet you know some people from college, from high school who just always lie for no reason. They didn't gain anything out of it. They, it's, it's just instinctively on them to emphasize everything into a lie. Yeah. Yeah, it does, and I think that that's that's an important thing to to differentiate is the the difference between being confident and being overconfident to the point where you're you're confident in the wrong things, like you're confident but you shouldn't be. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I, I just think that's really interesting. Um, but I definitely think confidence is key in a lot of things. Like, fight for what you believe in, be who you want to be, and be confident about it. Speak on the Yeah. Like, but, but not even speak. Just be. And do. Like. Walk. Oh. <laughs> walk confidently. Like, someone asks you, uh, do you want to drink? No, I'm good. Be confident about it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll have a drink. Maybe I'll. Uh. Be confident. What do you want to do? Make a decision. And, or, are you gonna go to the gym tomorrow? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I got a lot of stuff to do. Like I'm, I'm trying. Yes or no? Yeah. Are you gonna do it or you're not gonna do it? Um. So I think I think just not even just speaking confidently, but being confident doing confident <laughs> like all of that contributes to you know a better lifestyle i think if you if you know what you want and you're um you're confident about it and confident in who you are i think people so yeah if you're just if you're just confident in in who you are people will respect that and i don't think it has to be according to their views or you have to align with everything that they believe in but if you're confident about who you are and what you want to be, then I think yeah. that people will respect that. Um, from, from what I could gather, there was like, so there were 34 rooms and he like dumbed them down. So basically, <laughs> dumbed them down. It doesn't yeah, sound like he yeah. dumbed them down very much. <laughs> condensed them. Yeah. Um, Better. Um, and. There are like subtopics, like I was mentioning before, and for example, like these subtopics for confidence, or not confidence, or stand up, the shoulders back, uh, basically goes along confidence, goes into like body language and like how that psychologically affects you. He's a, he's a clinical psychologist, too. Mm -hmm. um, uh, then it goes into um, relationships and things like that too um but also it's the last thing is how it affects like life's challenges so if you're confident with the lobster 
scenario. Well, like everything, you were basically touching on it too. Like, if, you're, if you're confident in, um, how I was getting from school, if you're confident that you can do all your chores or that mm-hmm. you're doing this or doing that. I think if we're confident in this podcast, if we're confident in ourselves to make a podcast, people may not, people, like, our friends, yeah, our friends may say, why would you do that? Why would you, why would you spend time doing that? In our eyes, and we say, we like doing it, and we get benefit from it. We, we learn different perspectives of life, different perspectives of, uh, of people and ideas. yeah the different different perspectives of ideas and how, how you know um, it could be any topic too it's just different perspectives and we're we're combining those perspectives and giving our own opinions on them but we're learning along the way so whether someone has something to say we're confident in what we're doing we're confident in what in that we're having a good time doing it and that we're, learning. that we're learning about it. So. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't say sit up straight. You said sit up uh, I'm not standing up right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, now, I know I just mentioned how uh, those like stand up straight with shoulders back, how simple of a life rule it can be. Mm-hmm. That was actually my favorite rule from Jordan Peterson's book. Um, I was wondering, is there a favorite habit from, let's say, Seven Joe, Habits. What's his name? Oh, Stephen Covey. Covey. Covey, Co- Covey, I don't, I don't know how to say yeah, it, but... <laughs> um... Or at least one that stood out, really. Oh. I don't think there was like so the other two that we haven't talked about yet are very powerful to me personally I don't know if they're the most powerful in the book. Yeah, but I asked you your favorite. Yeah, fair. Yeah, fair enough. Um, one of them being uh, seek to understand, then to be understood. What does that mean to you? Um, so... Basically, you have to acquaint yourself with any scenario or anything or any topic at hand. Um, you have to understand these goes into everything or, or any situation um, before you have the rights to have opinion. Or, not right to opinion, but before you should go out and voice um, what do you think should be done? 
example. It's, it's like, to me, it sounds like it's an intern coming in who has zero experience with the real world and um, tells everyone that they should do it the way um, they should do things the way he believes it should be done mm-hmm. um, without any experience at all in real world. So what you're saying is that someone needs to have an in-depth background of the topic or discussion before they're able to weigh in and uh, try and persuade someone else. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't have to be in-depth. Um, just as the understanding. So they just have to have some, some knowledge before they're able to... Uh, or a deeper understanding or an understanding yeah. of what is being talked about, what the yeah. topic is, before they can and weigh it, in on that's it. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. So what I just did was an example of seek to be understood. Or seek to understand. I'm repeating back to you what you said to me to make sure that I understand what you're telling me. Uh, and I've done it actually a few times I think in this podcast I've been trying to integrate it into my speaking life because I, uh, I I think a lot of people do but I personally tend to I think when someone's talking and and I don't want to lose that yeah. so can I interject here yeah it's fine yeah sure 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 uh, <laughs> You have two ears and one mouth. Use it in that ratio. Mm, that's, I mean, <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. Um, and the this is the thing it talked about in the book is repeating back what someone says. It's very easy, very easy to integrate into your life, but it's powerful because it shows so you understand. It's conform, confirming um, that you understand what the other person is saying. Correct. Because some people talk and they don't say what they mean. Right? So someone says something and then it's misunderstood. It's taken as critical or and it's supposed to be, you know, it's not supposed to be. Um, and the the purpose of this is to say, this is what you're telling me Am I correct in the deeper meaning of that? Like, I'm hearing this. Is that correct? And confirming that you know what what you're saying. Or I know what you're saying. Before I'm like, okay, now I'm going to tell my opinion. or My thoughts. Because until I understand what you're saying, I... I not that I shouldn't. I, I can't really have a true opinion or thought on it because I don't understand what you're really saying to me and I need to understand those words and the meaning behind those words and the emotion behind those words before I can put in my own thoughts and I think it's really really powerful um, especially for me because I do tend to think and try not to lose that train of thought when someone else is speaking. And so when someone else is speaking, 
I maybe lose a couple words. I lose uh, some uh, some dialect in there, and now I've lost a whole meaning of what you're saying. And I'm like, why would you say that? And it becomes an argument. Yeah, there's. I completely agree. I think it is definitely um, more important to understand what someone is saying, but I think it gets lost in the haste of life. Things need to get done, and it's it's extra time. Thing mm-hmm. like that. Um, I did pick up. I do not know if it's a good habit or a bad habit, but I did pick up a habit. Um, it definitely clarifies things. Um, but it can be um, portrayed or conveyed or um, other people experience it in a negative aspect. And that is when people, if I would like, not get in an argument, but if I would say something to people and I, I see that they're talking about something else, they're really not understanding what I'm saying. I would literally like interrupt them and say, "Hey, mm. you're not understanding what I'm saying." Yeah. One more time. This, this, this. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. It does come off cocky a lot of the time, mm-hmm. but from what I've experienced, it's effective in the haste for life. Because you're they're they're on a. You're here, they're diverging into a new topic that you're not even trying to discuss. Yeah, or they just don't understand. It's generally like, um, I don't like, I don't mean this to look down on people in a, in a mean way, but like freshmen in college, like I worked on like projects and needed to work with freshmen and things like that. They're, they're still new to the whole scene. Mm-hmm. Um, no one's the brightest as a freshman, but um, you, you can, like, I can see when they want to start doing something, or I tell them, hey, we need to make, like, an Excel of this, 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 and I can see that they're already, like, pulling up Excel and starting to, like, write everything down. I'm like, no, 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 like, listen. Before you like do anything else, and yeah. Like, hey, like you don't understand. These are the things I want. Like, can you tell? Like, do we, are we on the same page? Yeah, I mean, uh, one thing that uh, I always found helpful in in college is I didn't know anything until I could teach it. Yeah, true. and I would all, like uh, anytime I tutored someone and. I was like, I I knew it was right, and I checked myself, and it was right. Then I knew I knew the subject material because I understood it, and it 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 follows this concept really well. So I don't know why I did so well at it on paper or in a classroom, but struggle with it in personal relationships or like in person so i'm seeking to understand the book so that i could be understood to the student 
still follows the same principle. But for some reason, it's harder in one respect than the other. For me. No, I don't I don't think it's it's an easy matter. Understanding people who are very people are from very diverse backgrounds, people use different language. It's a lot of information is misconveyed mm -hmm. from day to day. hundred percent. TikTok. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, follow us on TikTok. Yeah. Hashtag blur the lines. Um, yeah. I don't know. But it's interesting, at least, that both you and me have gone through like college. Like, the way we study is we like learnish and then we like try and teach people. Yeah. I don't know if it's just a you and me thing or if more people should try and employ that tactic. I think everybody should employ that tactic. I, I think, I genuinely believe that if you do not understand the material enough to teach it, then I don't think you fully understand it. Right. Because I think that you're, you're following along and you're able to, like these books, what we're doing right now. This is literally yeah, understanding a book so that we can speak to it in at a higher level and be able to grasp the concept. And I think, you know, maybe there are some things in here that we don't we, we didn't grasp hundred percent. And we can't speak to it as highly. I don't I don't yeah, I would agree. I don't think we fully understand this book, but at least this is like the first step. Yeah. hundred percent. Like, and I think like, I, these are thick books. Yeah, like these, I mean, like, they're dense, dense and like matter. It, yeah, and there's a lot. There's a lot to them. I highly recommend this book. Um, it's it's powerful in the uh, in the examples. It's very relatable. It's it's like. I do that. Wait, I do that too. Oh, you're saying these are bad things. Why are they bad? And then he goes into, well, it's not all bad, but think what you can do better. So, I don't, I don't know. It's, it, it's a really good book. Um, uh, the the other uh, the other habit that I wanted to speak to was um, was put first things first, um, which speaks to the prioritization which yeah, I, we, touched I that, we touched on it really really briefly the one thing that i want to want to cover and i think is a huge part of this book is the four quadrants and i kind i briefly mentioned this when we were walking into the gym the other day um so uh, quadrant one is important and urgent um and quadrant two is important not urgent three uh, urgent, not important, and four, not important, not urgent. So, uh, for example, getting your homework done and it's due at midnight tonight. Quadrant one, 
important and urgent. You need to get your homework done. <laughs> well, that's a personal opinion, I guess. <laughs> I'm speaking to the uh, higher. Urgent, high... but urgent. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, you need to file your taxes. There you go. Um, I mean, it's December, so <sighs> Okay, it's not December, it's October, and is, is October the end of the tax season, or is it? No, it's like April, March. April? April and March, that's not. Hmm. I think I got an extension one time to get... To October, because <laughs> I think because I, I was living in Quadrant One and I didn't get it done in time. Um, uh, no, but that's that's the important and urgent, and that's what a lot of people live in is what's important right now and what needs to get done right now. <clears throat> quadrant Three, the not important and urgent. So, in your case, homework. It's not important, but you need to get it done by midnight. So that becomes higher on the priority list. Yeah. Um, the not urgent we, and not... We, what? Can we talk about homework? Sure. Wait, can I just finish the, the, the quadrants real quick? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, the two-minute spiel. Oh, oh, yeah, go ahead. Like, what was your opinion on homework? <sighs> I thought it was helpful, to be honest. I I think it speaks again to the the understanding of the subject matter, but I think it's also because I lived in Quadrant 1 and it, homework was important to me. So when I had the class on Wednesday, let's say, the homework was due the, the Wednesday after. I didn't do it until the Tuesday. Yeah, who does? Right. <laughs> So, that subject matter was not fresh in my mind anymore. So I refreshed it with the homework. Because I had to. And it made me think back to the class, to the speech, to the lecture, to the book. I remember. And I think that was a first step to learning to then teaching. Kind of weird being homework. I think for the most part, for the most people, it doesn't help. It's a waste of time. I disagree. Okay. <laughs> Let me first like give you a little like context. Is you get engineering classes, right? Mm-hmm. What percentage of the class actually does their homework from scratch? Ten. Ten percent. I see, I see what you're saying. So, because because they don't take it seriously, it's, and they just cheat on it, it's not as effective. Yeah. So it's basically useless. From that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, also think, except for math, other homeworks are very useless. <laughs> just in general. Mm. It's, um, there is far, far, far more use in doing a project 
10 projects a year, mm -hmm. do 10 projects a year, they will have to be able to not only learn the material, but generally, like, um, utilize whatever they learn, evaluate whatever they learn, and present whatever they learn, mm -hmm. if it's on a project. Yeah. Which goes far deeper. If, if I was a prep professor today, like, I've already thought about this, like, 8 to 10 projects throughout the semester or year. So, my question on that, what's the difference between a project and homework at that point? Uh, projects are more in-depth. But it's just homework? Not generally, no. Homework are generally like, answer this, do that, do the sum. It doesn't relate to anything. You don't gain an understanding. That's your view. Yeah, homework. but if I tell you, figure out how far you can throw this, and you're only allowed to throw it like five newtons, you learn everything. You learn like kinematics, you learn everything. You learn design, experimental design. You learn a lot more things which are more applicable in life than giving me 30 throws ball at 5 degrees. Figure out the distance. So, but I don't think that you're not talking about homework. I think it's still homework. If you're only doing projects, no. it's homework. Give some class time. Like, Yeah, I mean, some of, the, some of the, the paper homeworks. Do 50 of the exact same yeah. equations. Mm -hmm. It's like, dude, I'm like, I know what to do with quadratic equation. Like, why do I have to do like 50 more? Yeah, I think, uh, I think you make a good point about the uselessness of repetitiveness in the same exact thing in the same exact time span of real life application yes yeah. so if you gave me one homework that said do this 50 times of course i'm gonna get it like of course i'm gonna have it down for those 50 what and to your other point of uh the fact that like how many people actually did the homework so I think that not having homework makes those people that, even if you cheat on your homework, I think you're still gaining something. Minuscule, minor, but I still think you're gaining something. And the people who don't gain a lot. But now the people who, if there was no homework, the people who are hard workers, and can act will actually read the textbook do the do some practice problems those are the people that will push through that class if there's no homework no homework at all no projects no nothing no homework people are gonna fail the class yeah i'm not saying in life i'm saying yes. in the class interesting 
interestingly enough, um, I have very limited experience, but I, I've noticed that there are really hard workers and like people work hard and they, they gain in like positions of like leadership and stuff and mm -hmm. they get good jobs, blah, blah, blah. But it's, um, it seems like to me, I only like know a limited number of people from like high school and college and stuff who really like make it, who like seem, I don't know, you seem better off. Mm. I don't know if that's emotionally well, um, or the people that uh, find the ways, the creative people to get the stuff done without doing it, with doing it. So, are you, are you saying like when you had homework to people who creatively got it done? Yeah. Huh. Ask a friend. Phone a friend. That's what I'm saying. They still gain from yeah, it. I, I, they, they, it's not what the school system is intending Correct. to teach. Correct. It's, it's but they like, still get a little of that, I think. Yeah, a little, little, little. But, yeah. Yeah. They, they still get, like, average grade, this, 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 but they did nothing. Mm -hmm. And they did nothing because they creatively... Um, Make friends. Automated it. <laughs> automate, automate getting homework from other people. I don't know. I mean, that's it's a like crazy, cra the, that's a that's a crazy thing. But yeah, we don't have to get into it now. <laughs> you were on a quartile too. Mm, yeah. So the the second quartile, which is where the most effective people lie, is the important, not urgent. So putting things important but not urgent. Yes. So things that are important that need to that that should be done but don't need to be done right now. But you prioritize them. So taxes now. Yeah, start your taxes now basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um no, but this podcast. Eh, not even important. Well, it is. It's I don't know. Depends what you want to make of it. Yeah. Um, let me think of an example. I guess we'll just stick to the homework. And for, for my case, I'm going to say it's important. Cleaning your room. Not important. <laughs> not important, not urgent. Ah. Uh, important. Getting, urgent. putting gas in your car. So people need to put gas in their car. Assuming people have gas cars. Um. A good practice is to fill up maybe when you're at half a tank or a quarter of a tank. But instead, people wait until they're basically pushing it to the gas station. Then it's important and it's urgent and now you're panicking because you might not make it to a gas station. But if you do it earlier, you never have that worry. You never have to think about it. It's just, oh, yeah, I got to do this. Or you, uh, I you. See. From yeah. like 
almost like a mental strain aspect. Um, it's better, but um, can I just blur this line a little bit? Yeah, blur the line. <laughs> I um, um, I actually disagree with your example because the heavier your car is, the least feel effective it is. So it's actually better to just pull up like a quarter of the tank and then, <laughs> and then pull up a quarter of the tank. <laughs> <laughs> From an engineering perspective from an engineering and efficiency. Perspective, save more gas. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, but at the same time, it's only like a couple of gallons, which means like the less stuff you hold around in your car. That's why my car has terrible gas mileage. <laughs> <laughs> um, the better you'll be. Yeah. The more money you'll save. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, again, for the homework's sake, if you have a homework due in a week, do a little bit a day or trainings for work if you have to do yeah. them all by a certain day don't wait until the day before yeah. try to do a little bit per day so it's still important you have to get it done but it's not urgent and if you live in that that's a good example yeah if you live in that that realm in that uh quartile or that quadrant um it'd be a much much more at ease in your brain it's it's not urgent. I'm not panicking. I'm not rushing. I'm just doing it. It's just part of my life, part of my routine. I'm just getting things done that I need to do. Um, but a lot of people live in court quadrant one and four. So one being important and urgent. So you're panicking and you need to get stuff done. Like homework. <laughs> or your taxes. Um, and quadrant four is not important, not urgent. Fortnite, for example. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> important and urgent. <laughs> You're right, we gotta go. Um, but video games in general. Um, video games, like uh, some YouTube, some podcasts. Eh, I guess they're all not important. You don't have to do them. But, um, but YouTube, any kind of, uh, you know, any, any of those stimuli that just uh, waste your time. In the book, they talk about wasting your time. In my opinion, it's not a waste of time. But that's, that's my opinion. Because mm. I think, I think it's okay to have personal, not urgent, not important time. TikTok. Well, not that. <laughs> That's wasting time. <laughs> That's a waste of time. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but I do think that there's there's benefit to all of the quadrants. Um, but if you can live, it basically talks about if you can live your life predominantly in quadrant two, you'll be a much more efficient and uh, there'll be less stress on you. Um, so, yeah, that's my two cents on that. I want to work hard on three. What? Uh, not that's important. not not important, but urgent. What is that? Um. Fortnite. 
No. <laughs> um, not important, but urgent. It's honestly like... It's a good, like, diagram to have. But it's, it's very polarizing. Mm -hmm. Important, not important. Urgent, not urgent. It's um, like, to me, uh, at least a lot of things is like on a scale. Like, yeah, I gotta get this done. Ish is like a five out of ten. Like, gotta get other things done. Like ten out of ten. Mm -hmm. um, where most things aren't only important or not important. They're like in between. Mm -hmm. I think, like, I don't know. I think, I think urgent and not urgent is polarized. I don't think there's much of an in-between in urgent and not urgent. You can be approaching urgent, I guess, but it's still not urgent. If it's not urgent, then it's not urgent. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't think. That's, that's that, uh, if you're taking like the definition of like urgent being like first priority. Like, has to be done now. Yeah. Um, but you get like what's a good word. I want to say important, but doesn't. Like, um, I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Priority, the, the combination of important and urgent. Correct. Okay. Well, no, no. Priority is everything. So the fact that when you say like, if it's not urgent, it's off the list. I mean, off the urgent list. Off. Oh, I see. Yeah. I thought you were saying just off the list. <laughs> I, I, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm like that. You're kind of missing the point that I'm trying to make here. <laughs> yeah, no, it's urgent scale. Yeah, exactly. Let me rephrase yeah, it would be considered not urgent and sitting at the number two priority, or number three priority, or number four priority. That's to be number four or two. What happened to three? No, not the quadrants, the priority list. Yeah, but isn't the priorities with the quadrants? Um. I think you have priorities, and multiple priorities can fall into a single quadrant. So, uh, for instance, I could have homework and my taxes due at midnight tonight. They're both urgent and important yeah. 
So can I have something that is lower important than a virgin and your text for you tonight? Yeah. I'm struggling to find something that's not important. I, I forget some of the I forget the examples in the book. What is what is importance? I think it's a personal belief. Like I think homework is important. You you disagree. I said I think homework is important, but I also think that we're mixing up the word important when we say homework because I think homework's important because if I don't get it done, there's a consequence, which I guess quote the book. Uh, aligns with my uh, paradigm yeah. of what's the consequence if I don't do my homework. If I don't do top of my homeworks, they're important. I'm not going to fail the class, so they're not important. Your paradigm. Mine is, if I don't do the homework, I may not get an A in the class. Yeah, important. You get out of college, and then like, we don't care about your A's. Correct. So, were they ever important? Yeah. So, why do you recommend them, or not recommend, why do you consider them important if in the greater scheme of things you did them to get a job, but the job doesn't care about them? Because so they help me. What? They help me. Do they? They helped me. But do they? They did. Say for example, I didn't do any of my work, <laughs> and I got the same job as you. Yeah. How are you? Help. I feel that I know the. I have knowledge of the subject matter. Okay. And the homework helped me get there. You disagree, and that's fine. Yeah. Because you... I'm not saying that I didn't do any homework. No, no. I'm not, I'm not saying that either. I'm not saying that either. I'm saying... <laughs> I'm saying that uh, you have a working knowledge of the subject matter. Maybe just as much as I do. But the homework helped me reach that point. And maybe the homework wouldn't have helped you. Or maybe it would have. I don't know. But I'm saying that for me, I feel strongly in my knowledge of the working knowledge of the subject matter. And I did the homework and I felt good about it. And it helped me understand what I learned in class. Because from I waited till the last minute and that's subject, what everyone should do. <laughs> a subjective point of view. Right? Correct. I'm, I'm not saying it as an objective point of view. I said importance is personal. Yeah. Why? Because what's important to you, what's important to me may not be important to you. Showing up to work on time may be important to me, not important to you. Eating, I, I don't know, going out with my friends for a, poker, for a poker night may be important to me, not important to you. That's how I view it, is it's a personal importance based on my goals. Yeah. The word important is actually kind of, not misleading, but... 
Did you hear my knee just pop? I wonder if the can I wonder if the microphone picked that up. <laughs> um, the word important seems to objectify the the most critical. I guess if you're thinking of important, like, but it's all based on consequences. Another another paradigm. I much prefer the opinionated or um, subjective view. Um, the word priority, like it's a priority for me to go see my friends. Um, doesn't mean it's important in general. Mm-hmm. But it's a priority. It's important to eat, or you will die. It's important to drink water, or you will die. Um, I don't know, it's, the word important just feels more, um, global, like it said like that, or should be considered more global, um, so everybody's important should be the exact same, no, yeah, maybe, why not, so there should be a list of, yeah, a thousand, a thousand things that are important, that are important, yeah, I think they're still subjective. Wait. It may be important to you to eat. <laughs> if you don't, you die. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. Um, but it may not be important to somebody else. To eat? Yeah. You have to eat. Okay. Uh, someone's, someone's suffering in pain. They don't want to eat anymore. It's not important to them. They don't care. It's not a priority for them. It's important for them. It's important for their bodies. It's highly important to their cells. To their microorganisms. But not to themselves. Who is them? It's not important to them. It's not important to the person. What, what makes up the person? Yeah, the organisms and the cells, but... It, his mind and... Yeah, it's important his mind to Mind doesn't think that. Mind can be delusional. <laughs> I don't know, I just, I think that importance is a sub- subjective matter. Yeah. And it's, it's based I'm, on... I'm saying it just feels more Yeah, I, I guess I see where you're coming. You're saying that the word, the word itself, sounds like it should be universal and be used for the same things. That's what I'm saying. Priorities, calling, substituting the word important, priority, feels better. Mm.
priorities. My prior your priority, Fortnite. Your priority, YouTube. Not important, not urgent. It is. Are you taking time out of your are, are you taking time out of your day to do it? a low priority item maybe like if something else comes up you won't be mad if you don't do it yeah you can do that you can do that hey these are all up for a for your own interpretation and how you want to move through life with these Quadrants and priorities and high priorities, importance, homework, taxes, <laughs> no priorities. Um, but But overall, I, I highly recommend the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey. Great book. Um, a great listen on, yeah. a great listen on, uh, on Spotify. Um, go check it out if you have premium. Yeah, there are a lot of diagrams and sketches and uh, ideas, concepts. Yeah, it shows uh, the, the priorities. It shows um, a weekly schedule, um, putting yourself first, uh, planning out, you know, uh, during the week I have these these goals in mind. I'm going to go to the gym five times, a, five times a week and then prioritize those. Put them into your weekly calendar, see how I did at the end of the week. Um, so yeah. it does have a lot of effective uh, tips and tricks in there. Um, I think it also makes it a little easier to read. Um, takes uh, takes away from some of you know the the words. Um, so it's almost like a picture book. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, the diagrams do help. Makes a lot of the concepts combine. Yeah. So um, you may not get that over an audio book. So if you if you have the opportunity and the chance, I definitely recommend getting the book. Um, I think I got this on Amazon for 15 bucks, 12 bucks. Um, so if you can, I recommend getting it. If you can't and have Spotify Premium, listen to it. It's a, it's a great listen. Um, on 2x speed, it's about six hours. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also for the, the 14 rules of life. Um, I do think there's a lot of other um, what do you call it material, material out there which talk to his rules um, I'm not sure if his book precisely um, I would go um, yeah, especially if you're on the younger side and if you have limited knowledge of English 
if you're fluent in English, then fine. Definitely go read it. I would recommend taking smaller chunks at a time. It says a lot. It means a lot. Uh, but interesting book. Like I said, I think I think I if I would redo this, I would listen to the whole book. Then I would take each chapter at a time again, mm. just to fully understand. It's it's very very interesting, but um, very simple. A lot of a lot of the habits, a lot of the rules, they are very simple in uh, in, in their concepts. Yeah, yeah. Hard, hard to implement, but you know. Easy to discuss, and I had a really good time talking about this. I think yeah. I think I learned a lot, and uh, again, just just talking through the books helps m- make sure that we're understanding it properly and we're able to talk through it. And honestly, there's no one here fact checking, so we could have said everything wrong. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess we'll feel free, to fact check yeah, us. feel free to roast us in the comments if we made any mistakes. But. Um, um. I think next week we should dive into finances. I agree. And I've, I've already outlined the book, so if anyone wants to follow along and read, I think I want to redo. I've actually done this in the past, but I want to do Think and Grow Rich. Mm. Um, I have Rich Dad Poor Dad in my uh, in my room right now. Uh, yeah. Did you have a book in mind? Uh, uh, Napoleon. Napoleon Hill, thinking very rich. Sorry, just one of that author. Mm. Um, I think I want to. We're gonna head on like finances and um, things, and the next podcast. Um, but for habits of highly effective people and the rules of life, it was interesting, just from a general perspective, to see how um, both people kind of wrote about um, things you should do mm-hmm. to live your life better or easier um, just different views of it obviously um, I think I would love to read this book but um, interesting to see kind of how different they actually take yeah they are different uh, there are quite some differences in between them um yeah i don't know yeah no i think this was i think this was great this is a great first podcast uh episode and uh yeah go out and check check out these books uh not sponsored but uh go go grab some uh (laughs) holiday cranberry candles it uh helps your helps your brain function better (laughs) don't fact check that it's false (laughs) but uh yeah anything else yvonne Let's, let's go talk about some finances. All right, blur those lines. Hey, blur the lines. What's up, Blurbs? Thanks for staying with us till the end. If you want to follow us along next week, I will be covering Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And I'll be covering... Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget, stay curious, stay inspired, and blow the line. Those lines.